Hello, my friend, Dennis Gebhardt here with Guru Nation, welcoming you to this episode of Guru in Your Ear. I am very happy that uh, we have Anthony Persoto back with us again. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Great, Dennis. How are you? I'm very, very good. Uh, so if you've not listened to the first episode in the Trainer to Trainer series, uh, Anthony was our guest then. And I asked him to come back, and I'm going to bring him back a third time as well. Going to go over his uh, article that he wrote back in 2017. Uh, but today, let's kind of continue where we lay left off. We were talking about you know, about people wanting to be part of education. You know, I, I can only relate to what it was like for you as well as me was that in the beginning when you wanted to be an educator it wasn't you couldn't self-proclaim yourself as an educator you would uh, usually find a manufacturer that would bring you on to represent them and they would give you content and then you know you would go out and do class to class and you would share that content and they helped you learn how to teach as far as how to share content basically but today, because of social media and the global reach that it has, we find people, you know, crowning themselves as educators or trainers just automatically. And uh, I've always said that there's a huge difference between sharing and training. So, I mean, if you do good hair behind the chair, you can share that. But a trainer has other things that they need to focus on. So, Anthony, why don't you kind of enlighten me on your perspective on, on that statement I just shared? You know, there's a huge difference between sharing and training. How would you just define the differences between those two? Uh, I think there is a huge difference. And the advent of social media has definitely allowed people to proclaim themselves as educators. Um, they tend to be one-trick ponies. So you may be awesome at a balayage or a haircut or something and you put that on your social media, you get a large following and you are suddenly an educator. What you are is a sharer. You're a one-trick pony. Uh, an educator is someone that is able to deliver much more diverse information and skills uh as you said joining a company and, and I, I think back to when i started educators were held in a fairly high esteem because it wasn't something you could easily become right you had to you had to partner with the manufacturer um i'm not saying that it's bad that the the advent of social media educators let's call them edu influencers i yes. don't know um i like <laughs> they that. that's uh, a new I, term I think it's Edu influencer, I like that. Yeah, I should trademark that one. Um, <laughs> it's uh, and, and it, look, it's 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 very viable. It, it's very real, but they're not educators in the broad sense. I, I think you need to, and and this to me as well. Um, to be a good educator, you probably have to be uh, an average to a little bit above average hairdresser, and have a broad skill set because you need to know be able to do a little bit of everything. But you have to be able to deliver that information. And that's where partnering with a, a company uh, like I am. I, I'm employed by a company full-time as an educator, five days a week. Uh, and they train me to deliver. 
they bring in uh, people once a year. We have an education conference. Twice a year, I think we have an education conference. Uh, they bring in people. We get trained on presentation skills, communication skills. Uh, we get taught techniques and, and different things depending on the manufacturer because I, I work with two manufacturers. Right. Um, and it's um, I, I think it's a very different thing to just, you know, doing a voiceover on Instagram and calling yourself an educator. Yes. It for me, um, I, I didn't actually start out doing education from a uh, a corporate point of view. I was a I, I was one of those independent educators, but mine came from I was originally a, a business coach and working with a digital magazine that we started here in Australia that became a, a worldwide magazine. Yes. Uh, so I did have some training and background and experience in a broad way doing those sorts of things. So. I specialize in teaching color and cutting. And now I work for a manufacturer. I specialize in teaching coloring techniques and, of course, the science and that of our products and, and how they work and, and doing installations and salons and things like that. And, yeah, it, it's, it's a very different thing. I think you become a very uh, well-rounded educator because you learn to present. You present in front of people and you start with smaller groups, so you get to learn things. I think – and. I think you see this in the rise and fall of educators on or ed, edu influencers on on Instagram that they they become very popular and once everybody's grasped that technique or whatever it is they're doing, they sort of fall by the wayside. They've they've got nothing more to offer, right? Which is a pity because I'm sure some of them would have more, but that they need that background. So I I think is that have I rambled on too much? Is that clear? No, no, no. Um, I, I, there is a know, difference. I totally yeah. agree with you. I think that you need more than just talent. <laughs> and I know yes. that sounds really yes. terrible, but it's the only way that I could explain it is that, yes, your talent, you know, your your techniques and th those things are very valuable. But if you can't share your technique, if you can't make it so that it transfers so someone can duplicate what you just did, that makes it very challenging. And, I, you know, I think about um, a video that my wife watched the other day on YouTube and, you know, she was part of the original design team for Redken. And so she's really into, you know, over direction, elevation, finger angle, all of those kinds of things. And she was watching this one artist who is a highly regarded influencer, but when in, he was cutting the hair in the back and he said, you're going to hold the hair like this. That was the descriptor. <laughs> he would hold the hair up in his fingers and go, hold it like this and that there was no detail to you like where is it where are you holding it where are you pulling it from all of those kinds of things and and i think <clears throat> that that's what happens a lot of times because we're into learning so much on social media now we watch a youtube video which i think are very valuable but it's really more valuable if that coach could be there with you and watch the way you held the hair in your hand because your perception of what they're doing and someone else's could be two completely different perceptions. So um, to your point yeah. about, you know, you're an influencer, that's great. But if you can't continue to give content or you can't guarantee the content will transfer, then you start to lose your following and you start to fall by the wayside. Definitely. And I, I think it's... They're, they're there is a place, look, going forward, there is definitely going to be a place for digital education. I don't think it's ever going away now. Uh, but it, it doesn't replace being in a classroom. It doesn't replace, like, 
like you said, someone standing there watching, watching that finger angle, watching how you're elevating something, whether you're over-directing it, whether you should be over-directing it or not, it's hard to do that through a video camera. Right. So I, I think it's important for both. And the skills it takes to present in front of a group, uh, and I, I see that with educators that join the company now, uh, especially if they haven't been educating before, the, the fear of being in front of a group and being and presenting is quite strong. And it can hold people back. So it's definitely a skill that needs to be learned. Well, I think uh, many people suffer from being in front of their peers. I think we all do that in the beginning, especially. We're, we, we assume that what we're sharing, everyone already knows. And we're concerned exactly. about, you know, am I going to say something that is contrary to what they believe or what they have learned? And uh, in in essence, many times you learn that they really didn't know what you know. They don't even know what you're going to teach. And so if you can get past that, then it's okay when you talk to your peers. Um, I think that that is the biggest fear people have. You know, you've heard this saying, especially because you've been a business coach, you've heard the people, their biggest fear in the world, even higher than death, is public speaking. You know, how do I yes. get out there? How do I engage the audience? You know, what do I say first? How do I even introduce myself? You know, I always consider when you remember when you were in grade school and they had the merry-go-round in the playground and you were like kind of timing it so you jump on the merry-go-round at the right time. And then when you went to get off, you had to like, okay, make sure I'm in the right place so I can jump off and not fall on my face. And I think that that's what, it really is when you're in front of a group and you're teaching and you're sharing is that, you know, getting on uh, uh, easily and getting off easily. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen people that even have a hard time introducing themselves and even telling their own story. Very much so. I, I, like you said, it, it is a, a public speaking is a fear for most people greater than death. And it's, it's something difficult to overcome. And, my, I'm myself, I'm an introvert, but I'm an extra, extroverted introvert. So uh, it's almost like it's a real thing. It's a real yes, thing. It is a real um, thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I have no difficulty performing. And it's, um, so we, to me, when I go and present in front of a class, it's like putting on a show. And we're used to putting on shows, we're hairdressers. So we right. put on a show eight to nine times a day in our three foot by three foot little platform and the show may vary depending on who's sitting in the chair, but it's the same stories this week uh, as it was with the first one as the last one of the day. We, we, we have that show. We have that ability to deliver that in front of us. Right. And we practice it. We were talking about last week practicing. Uh, we, we practice um, that story. We have that patter down that we're going to deliver in front of them. And it's the same with getting up in front of a group. I actually find it very much easier for me to get up in front of a group, a large group, doesn't matter. Because I switch on and I become the performer, the actor, yes. Yes. compared to having to, which I have to do today, I have to do a live video today for one of the companies uh, delivering some education. And for me to talk to a camera is so much more difficult than for me to interact with people and, and a large group. That's right. nothing. Because that, that's a show. I put on my show. Right. In front of a camera, I'm thinking all those thoughts that, that, that run through my head. Am I doing it right? Have I said the right thing? Have I forgotten something? And, you know, all the notes around the room and that help, but it, it's, it's a different thing. Yes. And, um, 
and that's and I'm probably lucky in that way that I I I've become used to that's how I am. I I'm pretty low key outside of a workshop, mm-hmm. but. When I'm on, I'm on and I'm delivering, and I'm delivering the whole time. You're getting six to eight hours of me of full content, and I don't shut up the whole time, and I, I, I over-deliver, hoping some of it sticks, and if not, you come back for a second go. But <laughs> I, um, by the end of that day, I'm, I'm tired. I've given my all. Right. Uh, and I, I guess I'm lucky I have that introvert, extrovert type of nature, but some people are just introverts, and it's really, really hard to get up in front of a group of people. Yes. You know, it's uh it's hard to to initiate that conversation to yes. you know to welcome everybody making everybody feel comfortable and in front of a camera it's really more difficult because number one they can't unless you're doing a zoom call where you actually see each other if you're doing yes, a there's social no feedback. media broadcast all they can do is text and so you know i find it for many people it's hard to be in front of the camera because we're responsible for the animation if, it's, if exactly. you're not animated when you're talking in front of the camera, if you're not smiling, if you're not moving around, you know, it, it can get very, very boring. And when you consider the younger generation today, which makes up a great percentage of our industry, they are ADD. So if you go on too long and you're monotone, they're checking out, they're done. They're over with. And the same thing in a classroom. I don't think it's just the younger generation, Dennis. I've been watching a few YouTubes lately, um, again, upping my skills because I, I want to get my presentation on camera and that a lot better. And I, I put these YouTubes on, and if in two minutes they haven't grabbed me because they're monotone or they're just right. going on about some non- – I've turned it off. Yes. I, I, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's viral, this ADD, I'm sure. I've picked it up and it now caught it. Yeah, I think ADD can be an assumed behavior because yep. if you don't catch me in the beginning, I'm out of there. I'm done. I yep. don't even want to listen. So I think that's great information, Anthony. Let's talk about manufacturers. And, you know, if you're a manufacturer and you're listening to this broadcast, don't be offended. I want to apologize to you in advance if we unconsciously step on your toes but we need to talk about that and i think the reason we need to talk about that is that the learners people who maybe are not educators they need to learn the purpose of a educator that educates for a company the main purpose and of course i can only share with you my experience and for the company i worked for for 26 years And I was constantly saying to our people when we did trainings, I said, look, if at the end of that class they don't purchase product, you probably won't get rebooked. And and for many of us, we go into it with more of a purist attitude, thinking I'm going to take an hour and a half or three hours, however long I have to be here in your salon, and I'm going to make you a great colorist. <laughs> and that we know we cannot do. So so what's, how do you perceive that? I mean, because you still work for a manufacturer. I work so. for a manufacturer. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a, a, an interesting position because I have to deliver education and techniques, but I also have to deliver information about the products we, we manufacture and sell. 
and get them using them. Uh, I, I, I have a, a level of integrity I won't, won't cross. Right. So I, I will not lie about how a product product performs or what it does. Uh, and we're, we're pretty lucky with the company I work for. Our, our information is fairly true. You know, it, it, it's we, we don't out our marketing department hasn't out and out put false information out there, which is great. So yep. we're not trying to fight against that. Right. Um, where we probably fall down is our agents that are selling our products into the salon are not necessarily hairdressers. So they don't have that background. Their background is in sales. Right. So sometimes the information can be misconstrued from their point of view. So a, a lot of my work is straightening some of that out, mm-hmm. uh, bringing the, the agents up to speed so they have the right background. And, and with a lot of manufacturers out there and the information that's floating around to do with products, uh, we're getting a lot of pushback from different companies. And so part of my role is also to analyze what they're saying and maybe inform them with the correct information so they're out there informing the salons with the correct information. So it's, as we know, with, um, God, I don't want to say this, but the bond builder category, <laughs> the yeah. information that's out there on that, and it's it's incredible. And it's, you know, I, I just, I can't, it just blows my mind what people will say and unfortunately what people will believe. Um about that particular product. And now we have those in our products that we manufacture. Um, we have a retail range that has bond builders in it. We have our lightning powder that has a, a bond multiplier in it. Um, right. and, and as we know, the word plex means many things. It yes. doesn't mean it's a magical bond reconstructor. It just means you've got a mixture of stuff, That's right. which is, <sighs> uh, I, I think marketing departments have a far greater grasp of English than we do because they come up and can, make anything sound great um but yeah so that that's getting everybody to understand that and and understand that what we offer is just as good as what is out there but um in a truthful way like like getting them to understand that you know it's it's not a magic magic bullet it's um it's definitely helpful and uh i always instruct people just because you can doesn't mean you should right so uh, with bond builders, you know, yeah, you can damage the hair completely and and restructure it and and, and restructure it, band-aid it, and mm-hmm. yeah, it can feel good while they walk out of the salon. But you know, it's um, if your guarantee is a 30, 30, you know, thirty feet or thirty seconds, um, that's great. But what yeah. happens when they go home and wash it and they haven't bought the support products to maintain that trashed hair? It's terrible. So uh, I, I believe. Don't do that. But yeah, as far as information goes, it's it's really a fine line. You you, you don't want to mislead people, but you you've also got a job to do. Right. So I find my biggest thing is uh, going back to those agents again. They don't always sell in what a salon might need because they don't have that in depth understanding. So I think part of my role as an educator as well is going to the salons, delivering that education, but also finding the holes and understanding their problems and their pain points, and letting them know that we have a product for that. Right. You know, um, we have a, a color reducer. So it's instead of having to go in and, and the first thing they all reach for is bleach, is, you know, let them know we have this product that, you know, might be the best way to go, at least to start with, until you really need to reach for a powder lightener. 
Right. Um, so it's 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 a yeah it, it's a difficult position. You know, you're an educator, but you're also backing up sales, and because that pays your job, pays your pays your wage. Right. Um, so it's important that. So I, I think it's it's difficult, especially when you're going against companies that their marketing departments are just putting out stuff that's like um, Resourcenol is one at the moment we're, we're facing here in Australia. We have a company that's um, targeting salons and telling them how they don't use Resourcenol in their products. <laughs> they use two D2 Resourcenol or D4 Resourcenol. Yeah. But, you know, it's like it's a derivative, but it's not Resourcenol. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. You know, right? aren't we smarter than that? <laughs> um, well, you know what? They're not. Because we're not. That's they, the problem. If- if they only um, knew so, that without, yeah, so, uh, without resource and all, you couldn't have color. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. It's like it's like if we could crush up berries and juice carrots and color your hair copper and or, yeah. or red or blue, we'd do that. But sure. we can't. Yeah. Right. It needs it needs those chemicals. Uh, another one would just come up recently is phenoxyethanol. Uh, it's like why do we have phenoxyethanol in our products? And it's like because your shampoo lives in the dank, dark, wet shower. And believe me, that little bit of phenoxyethanol is far greater benefit to you than the bacteria and molds and fungus you're going to get out of that product left in your shower. Right. You know, you don't want that on you. Don't worry about the little bit of preservative they have. Look, you didn't want parabens. Parabens were a really good preservative. Um, getting to my beliefs there. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so we, we have to have something. You know, it just can't be it, – it's lovely to think of it being natural and organic, but to a point it's got to be preserved. It, it's, it's a manufactured product. It's not, you know. So it, it's you're fighting against people that are just saying, you know, oh, we don't have that, but they have to have something. You know, they make a product, they need a preservative. So it's, it's the omission of the truth that really frustrates me. So I, I look at my job is to find holes and pain points and fix those right. uh, and educate them on the realities of the product. Like there, there's some products out there. Like I, I use some um, bond builders and reconstructors and different things like that. And they're great. They have a place. I'm not saying they're, they're bad, sure. but, you know, don't make them out to be – everybody wants to get that, their part of the sales, the, right. their slice of the pie. So, but, you know, try to do it in a truthful way. And, and I'm lucky I also work within the, the company developing education uh, workshops. Mm-hmm. So I tend to make sure that everything I do is very, very science-based and, and v- as much as I can do it within my experience, uh, that I'm not misleading people and they're getting the true information. Because I think the more right. we can get that truth out there, the more we elevate the industry, mm-hmm. the more the manufacturers will have to fall in line and and people are getting smarter you know it, like people are uh, you can see by the growth of, of guru yeah uh, guru nation um uh, how people sit in the science uh i i have a workshop i i teach called uh, color boot camp which is um uh, we go into the science of the hair so you know the fabric you're working on the science behind what's in the tube and, and things like that and the attendance is getting better and better every year I run this because they're, they're really wanting that information. And I, I think it's great. Unfortunately, there's also – and, you know, we're also not fighting against manufacturers of products. We're also fighting against companies for profit. There's um, uh, EWG, I think it is, um, Environmental Working Group. Oh, yes. 
Oh, that, now they list all the ingredients and they give them a rating of one to five, whether it's good or bad or how bad it is. But unfortunately, they're a for-profit company. They're not a a feel-good, nice group of people. Right. So it's quite well known that if you sponsor them, your product ingredients suddenly aren't as bad as they used to be. So definitely not. Yeah, they're they're much. So better than it's they it's work. like you know we're not just fighting against manufacturers with disinformation. We're fighting against for-profit companies that are jumped on a bandwagon of decimating it. Right. Uh, information across the the internet that may may not well it it's it suits vested interests. Yeah. So you know it's it's a challenge. Did that it, answer your it, question? No, it is. You did that is, and, and you know what? And that that's a great commentary on manufacturers, and and that it is an example of the situation that you're in when you're an educator, and you have to represent the company message. But you also have boundaries to where you're not going to cross. And so, you know, you have to walk a fine line. Some people choose not to walk the line. They choose just to jump over and say all kinds of information. And I think because in our industry, anyway, here in the United States, the basic education that we were offered in beauty school didn't really spend enough time making us, you know, grounded in the hair, just hair, the hair, just just hair alone, and understanding what it is, how it responds in a chemical service, and then not even helping us understand what hair color is. I have to share this story with you. You know, I, I'm, I have a consulting position with a company here in the United States, and this week, the person in their hotline department was on vacation. And so she asked me if I would handle the hotline for a couple of days for her. And I said, sure, I thought that would be fun. <laughs> Someone called and wanted to know if our developer had peroxide in it. Now, I did everything I could to, with, without laughing, I, I, and, I, I, and then I really felt sad because I said, of course, it is peroxide. There, that's an example of what people don't know. It's like I was watching a broadcast the other night, and they were talking about melatonin is what creates melanin. And, of course, we know that's not true either. <laughs> so, so Nobody think, can see my facial expression, but, yeah, I just, it's... it's... Yeah. <laughs> I think if we had had better grounding it would have been more difficult for these kinds of stories, this disinformation to grow so much in our industry. <clears throat> and it's very difficult when you try to share with someone, you're going to have to unlearn before you can learn because you have to empty out some of that stuff you've been paying and listening to. But I think manufacturers, they all want to, they all do their best to create a good product. I don't believe any manufacturer ever said, let's make a product that really stinks. I think they all want it to be good. I think that uh, they do that they're doing much better than they were. You know, years ago when we were just starting out, you know, there was a huge difference between a high-end product and a mediocre product. But today in 2022, there's a smaller margin. And so that's what's causing all of these things now they focus more on five percent of what's in the color than they do on ninety five percent of what's in the color. Exactly, it's um, 
I think, and that, and it's a much more competitive market for the manufacturers as well. There, there are more manufacturers because manufacturing itself has gone through a change where it, it's much it easier. You see a lot more small batch manufacturing done. So there can be a lot of these small companies out there that you're fighting against, and and they're taking up market share. So it, it's hard. And I, like you said, I don't believe there's that big a difference between a lot of between a, a good product and a high end product. Right. Um. Difference between a bad product and a good product, there, there's a difference, definitely. Yeah. And there are some of those around, you know, where they're made, again, they're, they're, people see the industry as a way to make money mm-hmm. and they may not be hairdressers. Their interest is making money. So their job is to find someone to make the lowest cost product that they can make the highest margin on. Exactly. So, and unfortunately, that's another thing we fight against. Yeah. And, and I do believe that no manufacturer sets out, no chemist sets out to formulate something that doesn't work. Right. So, you know, when you, like you said, you know, it's, I, I, we get it a lot, you know, you're co- especially with people that change over to our products, it doesn't cover grey. Well, no, darling, you can't cover grey. The product works because, yeah. you know, the chemist, I'm sure the chemist knows how to make a product that works. I damn well test it a lot. I know it works. So maybe it's you. Yeah. Well, I think that what, I think that, probably educators that who just educate for companies i would probably recommend to them that they attend non-branded education in addition to branded education so that they can mesh the two together when they're doing their their presentation so that they can come up with better ways to deliver the information so that it's more accurate and uh so they're not caught up in um for prolonging this disinformation that's out there. What do you think about that? Look, I, I definitely agree with that. It's um, it, looking back at uh, what I, I've done in my career. So uh, apart from hairdressing, I've also studied a, a Bachelor of Health Science, which has given me a very strong grounding in, in biochemistry and chemistry um, as well as anatomy and physiology and things like that, uh, which has been a great benefit. Then studying with you, Dennis, uh, as a mentor has been fantastic because having a chemistry understanding is great, but having one that's specific for the the industry we work in, in cosmetic chemistry, is even better. So getting as much education as you can in non-branded because, you know, if you follow the brand story, sometimes the brand story can be a little bit, you know, a yeah. story. You know, companies tend to look at hairdressers as not being the smartest people. So they yeah. simplify things, but they've simplified it to the point too much. And that may have been true. Um, uh, let's take an example here in Australia. Here in Australia, back up into the, the 70s, 80s, you could leave school at 14, 15, um, if you had a job to go do. So if you weren't that smart, you could go and be a hairdresser because you didn't really take a lot. You know, it was it, wow. you could do that. Uh, and it was an apprenticeship. So you, you then got four years of training. So you were about 19, 20 by the time you'd finished. Uh, now it's reduced to three years uh, as an apprenticeship, or you can do a 12-month schooling, like, like you guys in the States with a beauty school type thing. Um, but most people are leaving school at, um, you know, 17, 18. So their, their, their minds are much more mature. They've had much more education. Uh, it's no good to just simplify it anymore. People, you know, people that are entering the industry are not silly people. Right. 
Um, and if they are, they don't last very long because it's, you know, I think they think it's, those think it's going to be just a glamorous thing. They get very disappointed very quickly. Uh, so you, you tend to find that people now are wanting more, more information. So you need to be able to deliver that. And the only way you can deliver that outside, because, and it's the, you know, the brands are paying you, so they need you out there working. So they haven't got the time to bring you up to speed on everything. So some of that's your responsibility. You're absolutely right. And, you know, and there's plenty of information out there. There's there's Guru Nation. Yeah. So great unbranded education. At worst, there's online universities offering basic chemistry courses for free. Yeah. You know, it's it might only be 20 or 30 or 40 hours, but the grounding that will give you so that at least if some information comes across, you can maybe tell this doesn't sound quite right. Or at least you can understand what they're writing and go, well, that's definitely not right. Or understand some of the concepts they talk about in, in papers that uh, are supposed to back up these things and go, yeah, no, that's a bit iffy. Or that makes total sense. Or, yes, that's I see how it's working. It's not what they're, they're telling us how it works, but, yes, I can see why it works. <laughs> so, you know, it's up to educators to take some responsibility, just like you would as a salon, in a salon as a, as a staff member. Your employer will give you education and get you education and pay for some education. But if you really want to excel, you've got to go above and beyond and educate yourself. Right, right. So I think it, it, it doesn't matter what part of this industry you're in. Self-education, self-improvement, and you bet. It is, it's so important. Yes, it is. Well, you know what? It's been really great chatting with you today. I appreciate everything you have shared. <clears throat> and I'm sure that our listeners are going to find it very, very valuable. And uh, like I said earlier, I do want to bring you back again where we can uh, talk about that article because I yes. think it'll really, it will really give people a lot of uh, information for them to think about. So, my friend, uh, would you remind us again one more time where they can find you on social media? You can find me on uh, Facebook under Anthony Prezzotto, uh on Instagram at Anthony Prezzotto, That's A N T H O N Y. P-R-E-S-O-T-T-O. And I would love for people to come and follow me and see what I'm sharing and reach out and help build this network of enlightened educators. You bet. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, you can find me at Real Captain Color. That's on Instagram. We invite you to visit our website, www.gurunation.net and take a look at the uh, educational portfolio that we have to offer you. Uh, And I thank you so much for listening today. I look forward to seeing you again in another episode. And as always, from my heart to yours, I am Captain Color. I am out. Anthony, thank you so very much for being here today. And uh, we will see you all again. Happy coloring and have a wonderful day. The previous broadcast was a production of Guru Nation a non-branded educational resource for salon professionals around the world.